You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. Relationships form the foundation of our personal and professional lives. But what happens when our relationship with ourselves or those we have welcomed into our lives are unhealthy? How do we protect and support our mental health in intimate relationships? And why is it so hard to heal after a breakup? Welcome to another episode of the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Joining us today to help us answer these questions and more is Kamisha Jones, a licensed clinical social worker and the executive director of Sista Afia Community Mental Wellness and Sista Afia Community Care. Kamisha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You know, I want to talk about depression a little bit to kind of begin our conversation because we know that, especially in Black women, Depression doesn't often um, look like what we commonly think it should. And so, you know, I'd like to kind of give some sense of understanding to listeners about, you know, what depression is and how for many of us, it can take kind of different forms. So depression is actually the most common mental health condition that Black women experience. There has been, I would say, a decent amount of research in terms of how depression shows up for Black women. Symptoms of depression, I'll start with that. And then I'll talk about, you know, what are some things that affect someone to experience depression, maybe for the first time or repeatedly throughout their lives. So depression um, is pretty much mood, changes in your mood that affect your ability to be able to do the normal activities in your life. So someone who is experiencing depression may have a loss of energy, maybe things that they used to be interested in. They're no longer interested in those things, um, feeling sad, down, hopeless. Um, also um, having changes, physical changes with maybe weight gain or weight loss. And also depression is one of the mental health conditions that can be a precursor to suicid- suicidal thoughts. Um, so that's kind of what depression looks like in terms of symptoms, but some areas of black women's lives that can be impacted, um, that affect depression may be having multiple roles or responsibilities. Um, there are women who have high functioning depression, so they may be doing good at work. They may be holding their families down, but when they come home, they feel empty, right? Or they feel really disconnected. Also, um, having a lack of support or not feeling that you can reach out to people for support. So that isolation um, is a huge factor into why people um, experience depression. So almost dealing with things on your own or not feeling that people can properly support you. Um, So those are some of the issue areas that I see. And of course, burnout as well, that specifically Black women struggle in those areas, and then that can possibly lead to depression. That's really helpful to kind of understand, right? Not just the baseline of, you know, depression is more than just, I'm sad today, right? So it's kind of a continual and almost chronic level of, you know, I'm just not 
feeling myself. I'm not able to kind of do those things that maybe I once was, but really um, just kind of true disconnect from who you are. And I'm specifically interested in how it can, whether it's depression or other mental health kind of symptoms and challenges can manifest themselves in our relationships, because certainly we know that our relationship with ourselves is one thing. And many of us have challenges um, when we think about the relationship with ourselves. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, to really understand that in intimate relationships, depression can certainly kind of manifest itself in different ways. Your thoughts on, you know, what does that kind of look like for many women, especially in a relationship, you know, as we think about, I'm already kind of struggling and it may be high functioning, but now here I am in this relationship, you know, how we find ourselves kind of depressed in, you know, within our own kind of intimate relationships and spaces. So there um, can definitely be things that are happening outside the relationship that someone may be in that affects their mental health that in turn then affects the relationship. Okay. Um, So I would say that there can be external factors that someone is dealing with that have nothing to do with the relationship that are impacting their mental health. And then the person who they're in a relationship with may struggle to find how can they support them? Or I'm seeing this person that I love and I care about change. What do I do with that? Okay. Um, so that's kind of what I've seen. And then there can very well be, I'm sure we'll talk about things that are happening in the relationship that then affect someone's mental health and their ability to be able to navigate what's happening in their relationship or the changes. So I'd like to then start with the outside, right? And and thinking about things like, you know, I'm already, say, struggling with self-esteem. I may already be struggling with just general depression and don't really have a sense of self before then, you know, kind of getting into a relationship. Because then by extension, right? I'm in the relationship and I further kind of lost myself. So let's start with, you know, really kind of understanding how do we first kind of address making sure that we individually are okay and are taking care of ourselves before then kind of jumping into a relationship. Um, So one of the things that I think can be helpful or can be a reflection is when other people are noticing that there's a shift in us or people may point out like, hey, I think, you know, you're struggling with how you're interacting with people, or I can see that you're maybe struggling with your confidence or, you know, showing up as your best self. So sometimes our friends and our family can be the people that are closest to us that can then even highlight or reflect what they're seeing in us in terms of changes with our mental health or areas of our lives that affect our mental health. Um, I also think that going to therapy or seeking professional help before getting in a relationship can be really, really helpful. So I'll just say personally, you know, I had been out of a relationship for a really, really long time. And there were some things that I was struggling with personally that affected me to be able to find a good partner or be able to, you know, affect me to be able to um, show up as my best. Into a track, someone yes. you know who 
who would be an asset to my life. So I went to therapy, probably almost therapy for two years before I even got into a relationship because I knew that there was healing work that I needed to do before I could even insert myself into a relationship. Um, and so I think more women could benefit from that. And it's not saying that you have to show up in your relationship as this perfect put together person, but at least that you have recognized these, these different challenges in your life that could be beneficial to work through before engaging in a relationship. So I think that is one of the things that I could speak from, you know, my own girlfriends is becoming a lot more commonplace, right? So this idea that let me get myself to the place where I really want to be. Let me really kind of check in and make sure that I'm doing okay before then by extension, engaging with somebody else. But circling back to where you started, which was about kind of friends noticing, family noticing. And in my head, I kept thinking, you know, it really is kind of the proverbial, you know, my sister's keeper and how important it is to surround yourself with people who love and support you and care about you enough to say to you, something's not okay. You're not okay. I'm worried about you. Um, you know, we often hear certainly after there's been a, a high profile, you know, suicide, the check in with your strong friends and check. And, and while that's certainly important, I would say if you find yourself being kind of the strong friend, similar to what Kamisha is saying, you know what, then let's find the external support to help yourself kind of work through so that you um, are bringing your best and, and healthy self um, to your own kind of relationships. When we think about entering into or being in a relationship, right, there is um, a bit of a wild card, certainly at the very beginning, because you don't necessarily know the mental health kind of space that the person that you're dating may be in, or, um, you know, what the two of you together, right. If it's a healthy type of connection between the two of you. So, you know, why is it then, I guess, so important for women to make sure that they have their own kind of identity, their own kind of mental health kind of support systems outside of the relationship when we think about here we are now engaging with, interacting with somebody else? Um, having people who, well, having an identity of your own outside of your relationship, it takes off the weight of that relationship to be your everything. Okay. And <laughs> I would say that in mainstream media, we get a lot of messages as, as women that our person who we're in a relationship with has to be our everything. They have to be our best friend, the one that we could talk to, the one who's supposed to be that container for everything that we're experiencing in life, which isn't necessarily all wrong. But what that does is that it takes away the opportunity for you to work on yourself or to have other people or other supports with your mental health outside of the person that you're with, right? And so yes. like- I think that with relationships, people can lose themselves in their relationship because they put all their eggs in one basket, you know, yeah. as we would say. 
they're <laughs> they're they're looking for that person that they're with to like I said be that container for everything which is kind of unfair to someone in some sure. ways that we want this person who we're in a relationship with to be the answer or to hold space for us in all situations where there can be internal work that we do for ourselves. There's an identity that we have separate from the person that we're more than just that role that we have as a partner and also being able to lean on other people, whether that's professionals or family and friends uh, for um, emotional support so that we're not totally depending on that other person. I think it's so important for us to talk about this because I think so many women find themselves um, kind of lost in the relationship and, and you make a valid point. I think society has kind of pushed this narrative that the person that you're with is supposed to be your everything. And certainly, right, you want to be with someone who you can confide in and you can trust and you can talk about all types of things. But, you know, to your point, that puts a lot of responsibility, a lot of ownership, and in some cases, a lot of power and control in the hands of one person when it is kind of this sense of I've turned over everything that I am and who I am um, to you and, and as a part of this relationship. And so while we know that in some cases things happen over time, and others, it may be um, kind of an immediate where you look up and you're thinking, I don't even know who I am anymore as a part of um, this relationship or other than, you know, as being as a part of this relationship. Are there strategies, are there mental health strategies that we can do if we find ourselves kind of spiraling or asking, you know, who am I outside of this relationship or what has happened now that I don't know who I am anymore? I think there are a couple of strategies even outside of individual therapy. I, as a social worker, as a therapist, I also am not one of those people who say just go to therapy and it'll fix everything, you know, that's not the case at all. Um, it can be a helpful tool in the toolkit, but it takes a more holistic approach to being able to address the different concerns that we're having with identity, self-esteem, mental health, all those different things. One, I would say, is taking a self-inventory or self-reflection in terms of how did I get to this point, right? What were the things that happened in my life that have impacted my trajectory as a person inside and outside of a relationship. Um, so sometimes that reflection can just be from doing journaling um, or just really even talking to friends and families like, hey, you know, who was I as a little girl and like, who am I as I've grown into a woman or, um, what are the things that you've noticed about me as a person individually um, and as a person in a relationship? So I think the first part is just awareness and self-reflection. Um, the other part is like being honest about where are some areas that I need support with or areas that I need to transform. Um, and that can be, as I talked about earlier, feedback from other people, but we really know our flaws, right? Like people will try to say, oh, I don't know. No, you know, your you flaws. do. All of, <laughs> you, you do. We all know the areas that 
we struggle with, the areas where we may be a little weak, and that's okay, right? And so being honest about those things. And then based off of that, who would be the best people to help me to get to the other side of where I want to be? Is that a therapist? Is that, you know, a faith leader? Is that a coach? Is it friends, right? Like, is there, you know, accountability partners or, you know, different things like that that can help me to get to the other side of where I really want to be. I think that it's important to examine ourselves in the past and having awareness, but I also am a big solution focus and vision person and helping us to acknowledge those things, but also how do we get you to the other side? How do we get you to um, showing up as your best self? being healed, um, taking care of yourself so that when you're in a relationship, you're able to navigate it in a healthy way and be with someone um, in a relationship in a way that's beneficial and doesn't add to some of the things that have occurred in the past. The fact that you have the awareness to say as a therapist, right, that may not be the one and done, right? And I think that oftentimes people run to this idea of, you know what, let me again, put all eggs in one basket. I'm going to go to therapy and that's it. It's a comprehensive process. So there are many things that one can do inclusive of working with a therapist or other supports to help you through this process and this journey. But I do think that it's really important. And that really resonated with me where it's, there's some real self work that has to be done throughout this journey of figuring out, you know, who am I? What do I want? How am I showing up for myself? And then how am I showing up in relationships? Because we know that, you know, once you're in, and whether it's a long-term relationship, such as, you know, um, marriage, or whether you're in a new kind of relationship, maybe that's we're in the dating space or we're engaged, figuring out where are we headed, where am I headed as a part of this relationship is, is really important. And I think, especially for those who are listening, who may be in the space of considering, say, divorce, now we're hinging on the what happens now when we move towards breakup, right? When things may not be going in the way by which we thought that they should be or would be, and what that may do to our own mental health, because certainly, even if you have kind of done the other individualized work, let's be honest, a breakup, a, a divorce, um, any kind of relationship change in many ways can be traumatic. And so, you know, what can we do when we think about moving from the, you know, a breakup of any kind and moving forward? How do we take these necessary steps on our journey of healing so that it doesn't then kind of keep building on these same kind of cycles um, as we go forward? With a relationship ending, I like to define it as a sensitive period for people I like um, and a sensitive time where you need more support. Okay. This is not the time to dial back 
(laughs) (laughs) This is not, as I talked about earlier, that isolation, right? And what that can do to us mentally. And sometimes the shame and the guilt of your relationship not turning out the way that you thought it was going to turn out, right? Or anticipated or all those complex emotions that come up. So when we're in sensitive periods in our life, we need more, right? So do we need more of time with our family and friends? Do we need more of self-reflection, more of therapy, more of reflection time, more of activities and things to do outside of being consumed with the relationship um, and what happened and what didn't happen? So I always encourage people to think of these transitional periods that we have in our lives as sensitive times where we need additional support. We need additional care um, because of the sensitivity of that time period. A lot of the women that we work with at Sisafia are young adults who are in transitional periods. And when people are in transitional periods, their mental health is actually more vulnerable. And a lot of people don't know that. (laughs) And so when we think about like relationships um, ending, that is a vulnerable space, that is a sensitive space. And it's even more important to be aware of what's happening and to get more of what can be helpful versus like trying to figure it out on our own and being isolated and dealing with all those things that come up by ourselves. Naming it a sensitive period to me gives it that empathetic, caring, supportive connection that I think it deserves, right? So I I, I like it's a sensitive period. Here you are in a breakup or transition, and this is a sensitive time. And so you need more right? Not less. And oftentimes we know that people end up pushing back, right? Going internal. And so it really seeking less because of the shame, because of the stigma, because of, um, you know, the pain um, associated with whatever caused the transition or, you know, brought you to this sensitive time. However, this emphasis on more, right? More self-care, more, you know, self-work, more love, more support is really, is really important. And so I think though there is the balance and and you were bringing that up towards that, that latter piece, you are in a vulnerable space and therefore being mindful of what that looks like, because immediately I was thinking what we don't want you to do, or don't want people to find themselves is being in this sensitive space and immediately jumping back into a relationship, right? So I've had, you know, former clients, I've had friends who are in this sensitive time. They are very vulnerable and there for whatever reason is an attraction to, or a, you know, um, search for whether it's companionship, compassion, Um, but you're seeking out something to kind of lessen the blow, lessen the hurt when in fact, those things aren't always the right things for us. And so, you know, knowing that the love support, the extra that we need, we need it in terms of our own kind of self-care and self-awareness, 
but being mindful that we are in invulnerable spaces and making sure that we are not then finding ourselves now in or back in a relationship that will then further our uh, mental health kind of um, concerns or mental health struggle um, and and further negatively impact um, our own mental health. And so in speaking about that, you know, earlier you referenced being in relationships and being mindful that you can find yourself in a relationship that has a negative impact on your own mental health. Can you share with us, you know, if in fact you find yourself in that space, what are things in terms of figuring out self-awareness as a first stop, but then, you know, how do we navigate those spaces where you're starting to sense or feel that this relationship really is having such a negative impact on my own mental health? How do we navigate these spaces? Well, that's a difficult one, I will say. And at our work at Sisaafia, we find a lot of women in that place where they recognize that, hold up, this is not a healthy relationship. I'm not being treated right. This person isn't who I thought that they were going to be. All of those different things um, come up. And so what do I do now? Right. Right. Um, Which is the hardest part. And I want to touch on this, even though this isn't related to everybody's situation. But when we think about like people who are in domestic violence relationships, yes, and we think about the cycle of violence and kind of like the back and forth that can happen in terms of wanting to stay and wanting to leave, that is the hardest part for people who can be domestic violence survivors is making that step to actually leave yes. because of not just the violence or the risk with the person, but what does that mean for me now that I'm going to be out of this relationship? How does that affect if there's children involved, all these different things. But I bring that up to say that when people are in that space where it's like, okay, I recognize that this isn't a, a healthy relationship for me, or this isn't a, a fit for me that leaving part is actually the hardest part to do. And so it may look like taking little small action steps to lead up to being able to separate from that person. Um, Sometimes we think for some people, for others it works like, oh, I just leave, right? And pick up my stuff and it's over. But for most people, that is a very, very hard thing to do. And so it may be one action step may be, okay, I'm going to set more boundaries with this person. Another action step may be if we're living together, I'm going to move out. Another action step may be, you know, I am, you know, going to speak to someone about what I'm struggling with, with this relationship or see, I'm going to imagine or D already. Oh, what am I going to imagine? You know, my life is, how am I going to, set myself up so that when I leave this relationship, I have other things to look forward to in my life and that this isn't necessarily a failure. So I think the little action steps piece by piece help to build up that confidence to be able to walk away and to not turn back. Because sometimes when people leave very suddenly and they haven't had the opportunity to go through these different steps or to process all the things that are coming up with this relationship that's ending, that's when they can end up back into it, you know, and that's not necessarily what they really need or what they really want. 
but that vulnerability and not being able to work through um, certain things to have the confidence to walk away can be uh, really, really difficult for people. Making the small steps, right? Small steps we know become bigger steps. First and foremost, we always want people to be in safe spaces. And so if you are not in a safe space, then getting the necessary help to find yourself in a safe space is certainly really important. There are resources on the Grown Girl Divorce website to help you kind of navigate if you find yourself in an unsafe space, because that is certainly, you know, a priority for all of us. And I would agree that oftentimes when we think about this transition time period, this sensitive time period, we often think about individuals who are in domestic violent um, situations as, okay, hardest time, you know, is that decision? Should I leave? Should I go? Because I think there's a visual kind of recognition. This is not safe. But what's interesting is many women who are considering divorce have been considering a divorce, say, for years, even if domestic violence or um, financial abuse or verbal or emotional abuse is not a part of your relationship, we know that it's all of these other considerations, right? That kind of hinge on, should I leave? Should I stay? So it's very similar in terms of the thought process of, I know that this relationship, I know that this marriage is not healthy for me. And it could very well be that I'm just, I'm not happy and I want to do what I need to do to move myself into a happy space. So now we're talking about maybe there are small steps, setting the boundaries, figuring out, are there other outlets? Can I get, you know, external supports? I would then add to that, you know, finding something that you enjoy that's outside of your marriage and your children, something that's for you. Maybe that's figuring out, you know, I want to go back into the workforce if you've been, if you've stepped away from a while, or, you know, I always wanted to make candles or take a floral class or whatever it may be, or volunteer at a NICU, but finding something that allows you to start kind of asserting your own independence, your own time, as you then build upon these additional steps of working towards, I'm feeling better about myself and therefore able to kind of clearly see the need and the path for, for transition. So the idea um, as Kamisha has has really shared with us of making the small steps can certainly make a huge difference. You know, Kamisha, I want to understand more from you about the work that Sister Afia does, especially because we know that in many communities, access to mental health resources just is either unavailable or extremely limited, but now that I'd say collectively as a community, there has been now a wave and a push and a recognition of the importance of Black women getting the help that we need and finding the resources that we need. So can you share with us you know, a little about what your work is and what you've been able to do um, through your programming and outreach? 
So Sister Afia um, was started in 2017, and our approach with mental health focuses on providing Black women with community support to help them to navigate their mental health and to have individual healing, but also collective healing. So um, we're located in Chicago, and our focus is really about equipping women holistically with what they need to maintain their mental health but also to have a community of support with them as they're navigating what's happening in their lives and also their healing journey. And um, we specialize in serving women who are in their 20s and 30s. And we specialize in that group is because of what I talked about earlier is that young adulthood is a huge transitional period, but it's also when people have the most issues statistically with their mental health. It's probably shifted a little bit more with the youth mental health crisis that's going on right now, but um, most people will have their first mental health crises around like 22, 23 years old. So our belief is that if we can catch that age group, we can help to change their health outcomes and their life outcomes through a mental health lens. And with serving Black women, I tell people we're very niche. You know, there are some organizations or businesses that serve everybody, but we really focus on serving Black women because there are, we are an often ignored group, but we're also a group of women who need more support with their mental health and statistically because of race, gender, discrimination, um, poverty, all these different factors, having multiple roles and responsibilities, being the breadwinner in the house, all these different things compounded can make it more challenging for us to have optimal mental health. And so at Sasafia, we provide individual therapy, but we also provide groups, workshops, um, social events, retreats, wellness classes, so that Black women are able to learn how they can maintain their mental health on their own and that our communities are stronger, our communities are healthier because Black women are healthier and they're mentally able to handle life's challenges and have the tools and the support to be able to navigate it. I love it. The work that you're doing is so needed in our community and not just for present day for generations to come, because we know that if we are healthy, our children are healthy, our grandchildren are healthy. And so it really is the greater impact and a larger impact for all of us. Similarly, the reason why we're having these conversations, because the goal is to make sure that one, we create a space of relatability. We are all in this together. We are a community. We are a village. But then too, so that you get the information available without the shame, without the stigma, we're having conversations about mental health, about relationships that, um, you know, in large part, haven't been conversations that our community has been open to talking about and, and been able to share. And so certainly we are moving, I think, in the right direction. And, and again, the work that Sister Afia is doing under your leadership is, is fantastic, you know, for Black women in our community. So I'd like to end with two things. One, making sure that listeners know where to get more information about Sister Afia. And then two, you know, what do you tell your girlfriends who are 
concerned about protecting their mental health um, as a part of a new relationship. Maybe that's because they've experienced a prior breakup or, you know, are in these vulnerable spaces. So I'll start with what would I tell my girlfriends? That's a really good question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What would I tell my girlfriends who are going into a new relationship and they've had either challenges in their past or they're dealing with their own mental health concerns? Part of what we talked about earlier is having your own identity outside of your relationship, that you are a whole person, (laughs) you know, regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not, that um, support is there for you, either as my, you know, myself as a friend, but also there are resources out there to support you. And sometimes we think about what could go wrong, but this could also go really well, you know, so even instilling that hope that you're in a new relationship, this could be the one that works out. This could be the one that you've needed all of your life. And that's what I would tell my girlfriends. Um, I love it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And how you can find us, our Instagram and Facebook handle is Sistafia and that's spelled S-I-S-T-A-A-F-Y-A. Um, you can also go to our website, www.sisaafia.com. And if you're in Chicago or if you're outside of Chicago, you can engage with us. We have events online and we also have some in person. We do only offer individual therapy it for Illinois residents. So if you're outside of Chicago and you want therapy, unfortunately, we can't see because of legal reasons. But we can also provide you with resources to find a therapist in your area. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today and really shining light on things that we can do, not only to support ourselves, but certainly support our sisters who may be going through their own mental health challenges and struggles and really shining the light on the importance of, you know, protecting oneself while you're in a relationship uh, in terms of making sure that your mental health is where you want it to be. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.